Good morning, guys. So, for the last few days, we've talked about the truth of God, the truth of Scripture, the truth of Jesus. And today, I want us to ask a question that we haven't asked yet. I want us to ask the question of why. Why? Why did Christ come? Why did the eternal word of God, God himself, take on flesh and walk among his people here on earth? Why did Jesus come? Why did Christ die? Why? I think we see the answer to that question in the book of John, John chapter 3. If you want to open there with me, we'll be in John chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 17. Now, Chances are, many of you have heard John 3.16 before. Probably a lot, right? It's the most famous verse in the Bible. But today, I want to look at John 3.17, the verse that comes right after. And the reason I want to do that is because starting in 3.17, we get the why. We get this very explicit why. Here is exactly why Jesus came. Here's the, the truth of why Jesus came. The truth of who we are. The truth of our sin. So listen to this. This is John 3, starting in 17. We'll read through verse 18. It says this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God did not send his son into the world in order to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. So why did Jesus come? Well, he didn't come to condemn, but to save. Jesus came to save. Why? Because the world already stood condemned. He says he came to save the world, not to condemn the world, because the world was condemned already. Those who did not believe in him were condemned already because he did not believe in the name of the only son of God. Why was the world condemned? Because they did not believe. Why did they not believe? Well, let's continue into verse 19. It says this, and this is the judgment. He's talking about this condemnation. This is what it looks like. He says this, this is the judgment. The light, that's Jesus, has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. So why are we condemned? Why are we condemned? We're condemned for wickedness. We are condemned because our works, our deeds, the things that we do are evil, we are condemned because of this thing we call sin. We are condemned because we sin, and scripture tells us that every single one of us sins. The book of Romans, Romans 3.23, says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And John 
1, um, in John, in 1 John 1, sorry, in 1 John 1, 8, it says that everyone sins, that if we say we are without sin, then we lie and the truth is not in us. You see, here's the reality. In, here in John 3, it says that all who, who have rejected Christ are condemned already. And why do they reject him? Because their works are evil, because their works are wicked, so they love the darkness and they hate the light. But guys, the they in that is every single one of us. Every single one of us sins. Every single one of us, our works are wicked. Our deeds are evil. We love the darkness and we hate the light. Every single one of us sins and falls short of the glory of God. And because of that, Scripture tells us that every single one of us is deserving of death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. What we deserve for our sin is death. What we have earned by our wickedness, by our evil, is death. We've earned it. We deserve it. It's what is due to us as payment for our sin. That's the reality for every single one of us. That's why Christ came. Not to condemn us because we are already condemned in our sin. But in order that the world might be saved through him, he came to save us from that sin. From the punishment of our wickedness. Now I know what some of you are thinking. I know that some of you are sitting there and you're going, okay, fine. But, but my sin is not that bad. My, my, the things that I do, I mean, I mean maybe I'm not perfect. I'll admit that I'm not perfect. I'll admit that I'm not, that I'm not like the perfect person and that, that, I, that I, I mess up sometimes. But wicked, evil, deserving of death, like come on. That's over the top. That's extreme. But guys, that is said and that is thought from not a place of light but a place of darkness. When we say that my sin isn't that bad, this thing that I do, this thing that I struggle with, it's not that bad. We don't say that because we're viewing it in the light. We say that because we're hiding it in the darkness. So at my house, we have um, these big sliding glass doors, the back of kind of like our living room, dining area, these huge like floor to ceiling, big giant windows, and, and it's great. Except those big giant windows in, in, our, in our living room, kitchen area, the, those windows face west. And what that means is that for 23 hours a day, my house is clean. For 23 hours a day, my house is clean, it's nice, it's comfortable. But for one hour a day, when the sun is at just the right height and it goes over the trees and over the fence and right in through that back window, and it covers my whole living room, my whole kitchen, my whole dining area in bright, unforgiving sunlight, for that one hour a day, my house is not clean anymore. 
For that one hour a day, you see every speck of dust, every cobweb, every Ritz cracker that's crowned into the carpet underneath the high chair. You see every mark of crayon on the wall. You see every bit of Play-Doh that didn't get put back and is now a rock hiding in the carpet somewhere. You see every little bit of filth and grime and dirt because when the light shines, it shows the reality of what's going on. Guys, it's the same way with our sin. It's the same way with Christ. See, the reality is every single one of us is a sinner. Every single one of us is, is wicked. Our deeds are wicked. Our works are evil. And we hate the light. We hate that one hour a day when the sun shines in and we see all the cobwebs. We hate the light of Christ because it shows the depth of the wickedness of our sin. Guys, this is why the gospel is offensive. This is why the message of Jesus is offensive. This is why throughout history, Christians have been persecuted. They have been put to death. They have been killed. They have been hunted down. This is why today in our culture, people who stand on the word of God, who stand on the Bible, are called hateful. They're called bigoted. It's not because Jesus came and died for us. See, no one takes offense to the idea that Jesus died for them. We take offense to the idea that we needed him to. We take offense to the idea that we are so wicked, that we are so evil, that our deeds are so evil, that we are deserving of death, and that we need someone to pay that price for us. We don't take offense to the idea that Jesus died for us. They take offense to the idea that we needed him to, but we did, and we do. Because we are in the darkness and we hate the light. Because our deeds are wicked, our works are evil, our sin is real, and it is serious. Some of you have a long list of things that come into your mind when you hear me talk about your sin. You have things that you've done, things that you're ashamed of, things that you know are wicked. Some of you don't. Some of you go, ah, oh, well, you know, I, I just, I mess up this way. I have this little problem here, this little problem there. Maybe I lie, or maybe I went too far with my boyfriend or girlfriend, or, or maybe I'm going to websites I shouldn't be going to, or whatever it is. But it's not that big of a deal. It's not like I killed anyone. I didn't. But here's the reality. Your sin, whatever it is, is serious. And when we look at it in the light of the gospel, when we look at it in the light of God's truth, we realize just how serious it is. Because you see, Jesus did need to come and save us. That was our only option because our sin is worse than we ever thought it was. Listen to this description of sin from the book of Romans. This is Romans chapter one. You can turn there if you want or you can just listen. Romans chapter one, verse 18. This is where I'll start. It says this. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men. All ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men. What is he talking about? Sin. The wrath of God is revealed against all sin. Sinners who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because it has been shown to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have clearly been perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Now listen to this. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile, futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. Guys, that's what sin is. Sin is when we trade the truth about God for a lie. Sin is where we take something, anything else other than God and we worship it as God. We put it in the place of authority and power and ultimate truth in our lives and we seek that thing instead of seeking the creator who is blessed forever, amen. We take anything other than God and we give it the primary place in our lives. We set it on the throne of our lives and we seek after it. That's what we do every single time we sin. No matter what that sin is, no matter how innocuous or small or minor it may seem, it is an incredible act of treason against the king of the universe. It is kicking God off of the throne of our hearts and our lives and putting something else there. And it doesn't even matter what that thing is because when we kick God off his throne and we put anything else there, we have committed treason against our king and we are deserving of death. That is what our sin is. Whether it's a white lie or whether it's a cold-blooded murder, either way, it is treason against the king of the universe. And when the light shines, it shows us exactly what our sin is. See, we wanna hide our sin in the darkness of relativism. We want to hide our sin in this darkness that says, hey, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just doing my thing. This isn't that bad. We want to hide our sin in this darkness of, yeah, I get that this like, isn't the best, but I'm not like that guy. I'm not as bad as that person. My sin doesn't even measure up to them. We want to hide it. But then Jesus Christ comes along, the perfect sinless standard of perfection, and he shines this light on our sin that shows just how wicked and just how evil our deeds are because our sins are treason against our king. 
All of sin is cosmic treason. And so then the question arises, why do we do it? If sin is this serious, if sin is this big of a deal, then why do we sin? Why do we do it? And the answer is simple. We sin because we love it. We sin because we love our own wickedness. We love our own sin. We love the darkness because it lets us hide our sin. And we love our sin itself. In James chapter one, we see something that's often referred to as the life cycle of sin. James talks about how sin takes hold in our lives and he says this in James chapter one, verses 14 and 15. It says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. We saw it in the, the little video beforehand with the fish being lured by the lure, right? They see something that looks good, something that they want, and they go after it, and pretty soon they're on the hook. We see it in the, the bug being caught in the spider's web. They see something and they go, and pretty soon they're caught, and what is in front of them, it is death. Listen to James as he goes on. He says, each person is tempted while he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it gives birth, sorry, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. This is the timeline, the life cycle of sin. It starts with desire. It starts with us wanting something, loving something. And when we allow that desire to grow, when we allow that desire to grow and to grow and become not just a secondary desire, but we allow it to become our ultimate desire, then we take that thing, whatever it is that we want, we put it on the throne of our lives and we sin. We break God's law. We desire that thing more than we desire God and so we choose it over God and we sin and that sin leads ultimately to death leads ultimately to death, to condemnation, to punishment, to wrath. And it doesn't matter what that thing that we desire is, it could be a different thing for every single one of us in here. For some of you, your greatest desire is academic success, right? You you're the straight A student, that's your identity, that's how you want everyone to know you, you're all about getting those straight A's and you desire it, you desire it, you desire it. But when that desire for, for your GPA grows greater than your desire to follow and serve and obey God, you start doing things like cheating on a test. Though you know that it is wrong, you desire the grade more than you desire God. You put the grade on the throne where God belongs. You sin, you commit treason against the king. Because of that, you're deserving of death. Maybe your desire is to feel loved. Your desire is to feel wanted. You want that more than you want to follow God. And so you're doing things with guys or with girls that you know you shouldn't be doing. But at the end of the day, you want that feeling more than you want to follow God. Maybe your desire is 
success in sports. Maybe your desire is to make more money. Maybe your desire is your own popularity. Maybe your desire is to have more stuff. I don't know what it is, but whatever that desire is, whether the desire itself is good or bad to begin with, when we allow it to grow and to become our primary desire, the thing we want more than anything else, it gives birth to sin. And that sin brings forth death. So why do we sin? Why do we commit this treason? We do it because we want to. We do it because we love it. Why do we do these wicked, evil things? Why do we transgress against a holy God? We do it because we love it. But here's the thing about sin. Sin is something, has something like a, a reverse Stockholm Syndrome. You guys ever heard of Stockholm Syndrome? It's this psychological concept that when someone is captured, when they're held hostage, they start to feel feelings of, of compassion, um, of even love for their captors. Right? And so they'll talk about times when, when someone is taken hostage and they start to, to fall in love with their captor. If you want an example of this, watch Beauty, of the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, right? But sin, in a real way, is a reverse Stockholm Syndrome. Because it's not that we're captive and then we fall in love. It's that we love our sin and that because of our love, our sin can take us captive. We love these things, these wicked things, these things that we have chosen over God. We love them so much, and then they enslave us. And this comes up time and time again in Scripture. In Titus 3.3, it says that when we are in our sin, we are enslaved, not just to sin, but we are enslaved to our passions and our desires, in John chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus says that everyone who does sin is a slave to sin. You see, this is the reality of sin. It's not just that we love it. It's not just that we, that we do it, but it's that we are enslaved to it. That we are trapped in it. And that we are completely powerless to free ourselves from it. We are trapped in our sin. We are enslaved in our sin. We love our sin. And we cannot save ourselves from it. So why did Jesus come? Jesus came because we need a savior. Not to condemn the world because we are already condemned. We are already condemned by our sin. We are already condemned by our rejection of God and our embracing of sin. We are already condemned by the fact that every single one of us has traded the truth of God for a lie and has worshiped the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. We are already condemned by our own actions, by our own wickedness, and though we try to hide it in the darkness of relativism, though we, we try to hide it and to say it's not that big of a deal and to say it's not that serious and I'm still a good person and, and, and I don't actually deserve any punishment for these little mistakes that I've made, as we try to hide in the darkness, the reality is we need a savior. 
because our sin is serious. Our sin is grievous. Our sin is treason against our king, the ruling and reigning king of the universe who spoke everything into existence with the power of his words, who holds the universe in the palm of his hand, who is holy and righteous and just. We stand before him condemned by our sin and we love it. We're trapped and there's nothing we can do to set ourselves free. We're trapped in the dark. We are in love with sin. We are enslaved by sin. We are under condemnation because of sin. And scripture tells us that we are dead in our sin. We are dead in our sin. Dead things can't make themselves alive again. We are dead in our sin. What we deserve for our sin is death. What we deserve for our sin is eternal separation from a loving, holy, merciful, righteous, graceful God. There is absolutely nothing we can do about this because we are trapped in darkness. We cannot fight this alone. We cannot overcome it on our own. But if we remember back to what we read the first time we gathered together, that first chapter of John, We are trapped in darkness, but listen to this, John 1, 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We're slaves to sin, trapped by it, in love with it, and doomed to death because of it. We hide our sin in the darkness because our deeds are evil. But Jesus Christ, the truth, Jesus Christ, the light, he came to shine a light on our sin, to show it for what it is, and then to die in our place that if we put our faith and our trust in him, if we accept him, if we believe in him, if we trust who he is, we might no longer be slaves to sin, but we might be the sons and daughters of the king, no longer traitors deserving of death, but heirs to the kingdom deserving of the life that is earned for us by Christ. We're gonna talk more tonight about what that looks like. We're gonna talk more tonight about what it means to be saved from our sin. But this morning, I wanna leave you with this. I want you to wrestle with it. What is the thing in your life that you elevate above God? What is that thing or that person or that feeling or whatever it is that you love so much that you put it on the throne of your life, that you put it in the place where God belongs, that it drives you to seek that thing or that person or that feeling over the creator of all things who made you? What is that lie that you trade the truth about God for? 
I don't know what it is, but I know that there's something. I know that there are things in my own life that I am tempted to put on the throne of God in my life. Things that I am tempted to seek above all else, to seek above God. And I know that there are things like that for you because scripture tells me that there are. So what are those things? What are those things maybe that you have thought up, thought of up to this point as some little sins? Maybe it's telling little white lies to make yourself look better because you worship your own popularity. Maybe it's going a little bit too far with your boyfriend and girlfriend because you, you worship sex or, or you worship the feeling of, of being loved by someone else. Maybe it's, I don't know, stealing a pack of gum every time you check out at the grocery store because you really love gum. I don't know what it is, but there's something. There's something that has driving you to worship it instead of God commit treason against God because you love something else, something that will enslave you, that you are powerless to fight against, but that you need Christ to fight on your behalf. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that as we talk about this concept of sin, I pray that the light would shine on our lives. God, I pray that by your spirit and by your word, you would show clearly to us what our sin is. You would show us clearly our own wickedness, our own evil deeds, the ways in which we trade the truth about you for a lie. God, I pray that you would reveal those things to us and that rather than retreating to the comfortable darkness, we would step into the stark light of day, into the glorious light of Christ. We would say, I am broken, I am a sinner, I am wicked, I am deserving of punishment and death, I am enslaved, I am entrapped by my sin, and I need you to save me from it. God, I pray that we would realize the depths of our sin, the darkness of our sin, and our desperate need for a savior. Father, I pray that you would drive these students to that realization. I pray that you would remind me of that every single day, that I need you more than I could ever know. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that you came. You came not to condemn, but to save us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.